Welcome to the podcast for St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School Sherman Center that's in Random Lake, Wisconsin, north of Milwaukee and south of Sheboygan. We're pleased to share with you recent sermons and Bible classes from our congregation. We welcome you to join us for Divine Service Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We have Bible classes currently offered at 8.15 a.m. on Sunday. Join us to receive the Lord's Word and His gifts. Good morning and welcome to our devotion, uh, Congregation of Prayer, a guide for meditation and prayer uh, for this week, which we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Glad to have you with you uh, with us. This is Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School. We call ourselves Sherman Center. Uh, that's in Random Lake, Wisconsin, the only Random Lake in the United States, at least the only one called that. Uh, before we begin, a couple things that I wanted to note for you. It would be very helpful uh, for us if you would share this devotion with your family, friends, neighbors, whoever might benefit. Um, if you've benefited from it, then share it. Show the love, uh, especially if you're in the Random Lake area. So if you're one of our members of the parish, uh, be sure to share it, uh, especially with those within uh, your household, um, but any friends or neighbors that you think might benefit from our ministry. This is actually a, a wonderful opportunity. <laughs> a lot of people, in some ways, a lot of people are on the internet, they're using uh, social media, and uh, we can actually get their eyes, we can actually and captivate their hearts and their minds uh, with faith by the work of the Spirit. So um, use this as a tool then for outreach or for, um, well, to share the gospel. That's the first thing. Second thing is, uh, I am doing this as part of my uh, responsibility or vocation as pastor of uh, the congregation. And it's primarily intended for the, the day school children, uh, but then also for their households and then all the households of our congregation. If you've benefited from it, uh, please help support the work of our congregation. Um, as you know, churches are struggling financially, um, not having public worship, uh, especially coming out of um, the Easter, or going into the Easter season as we are now, that uh, we usually see uh, quite a, a boom, actually, in, in charitable support from our own members and from others during this time. But because we're not able to gather together in corporate worship, mm, that's challenging. So, um, if you have benefited, the, the links to support are below, um, in either on Facebook or YouTube, so you can see those. And there's a lot of ways to do it. There's apps. There you can go. To the, our website is the simplest way. Um, you can set up a one-time gift or a reoccurring gift that way, um, and of course PayPal and whatever. There's so many ways you can support. Um, <laughs> and if you can't support, that's perfectly fine too. This is free for you. Um, it's not free to produce, but it's free for you to receive. All right, because it's the gospel, which is always free. Very good. Our congregation of prayer today, um, uh, we're going to celebrate Easter Wednesday. So um, Easter Monday, Easter Tuesday, Easter Wednesday, these days are actually appointed for the gathering of the Christian congregation to continue the celebration of the resurrection of our Lord from Sunday. And that's because there's actual events that happened on these days respectively recorded in the scriptures. So we observe them on the equivalent day uh, of the week. So Easter Wednesday, what happened on, on that Wednesday? Although it's not exactly true. Yesterday, Easter Tuesday, we celebrated more Easter Sunday text, but regardless, you get the idea. So let's keep the celebration going is the idea. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion, and my cup you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Very good. Our memory verse for this week, you say it with me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. John eleven twenty five through 26. Now the third article of the Creed and its explanation. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Very good. Our reading um, for today is from Acts chapter 3, our first reading. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he is thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. There ends the reading. 
Well, one thing to note here, uh, we talked about this yesterday, but in the, the preaching of the apostles, uh, both especially Peter and then Paul in the book of Acts, you find um, that they use grammatically the second person, <laughs> singular or plural, often plural, second person. Uh, that's the you language. And it strikes us as a little bit direct, I think. You know, that he says, uh, you, uh, where does he say, you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you. And implied here, you killed the Prince of Life. Now that's very direct, it's very forward. Uh, but what, what the apostles are doing and what apostolic preaching does is it puts the weight of the law on you first. So you you are accused and you are condemned by, by the law. But then you <laughs> are forgiven, right? So you see how direct that is rather than saying, well, we have sinned and we are forgiven or God judges sin and God has forgiven sin. To have it applied to you, either singularly or corporately as a congregation, um, well, that's actually the application of God's word to you. Uh, and so that's what preaching does. And it, it sounds strong and forward, but um, I have to catch myself as a preacher uh, when I'm writing to remember to speak directly to the people who are entrusted to my care as a steward of the Lord's mysteries. So that's just something to pay attention to as you hear preaching. Listen for the you language, the second person language. Moving along. Our narrative reading for today is from John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not that far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some fish some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. Although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples, after he was raised from the dead. There ends our reading. Which is, uh, <laughs> it always just makes me chuckle. Well, oh, it's quite the story, isn't it? All right. After his resurrection, how many times did Jesus appear to his disciples? 
at least according to John's gospel here, it is the third time. We see that in verse uh, 14, as you see at the bottom. Which of the disciples were present? All right, so we have to go back to the beginning for this. Verse 2, Simon Peter, all right, Thomas, called the twin, Didymus, right? Nathaniel of Cana, the sons of Zebedee, you know their names, James and John, all right? And then two others, all right, two other disciples. Um, why do you think Cana was mentioned? Remember, this is John's gospel. Well, it's John's gospel that records the wedding at Cana, which was, if you remember, that was the first sign, according to John, back in chapter 2. The first sign that Jesus did. And now we have the final sign, the resurrection, right? Um, who might these other two disciples be? Listed in verse 2. All right. Well, I think the key here is probably the reference to Nathaniel. All right. So um, uh, who, are the, who are the ones that are connected to Nathaniel? I'm looking this up because trying to remember exactly. Um, oh, yes, back the calling of Nathaniel is back in John chapter 1. So I'll get there on my, my side, and maybe you can look at John chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. Uh, 45. All right, one of the two heard G John speak, followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found, first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. And then following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and P Peter. So now we have Philip, Andrew, Peter. And then Philip found Nathanael, verse 45, and said to him, we have found him. Who is written in Moses, written of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. All right. So um, the other two, I, I think this is a pretty, pretty strong case, we'd say, is Andrew, Peter's brother, and then Philip also, who are both associated with Nathaniel. They seem to be best buds, as we'd say. <laughs> All right, what did Peter decide to do on this day? Go fishing. What time of day were they fishing? All right, this is actually... Um, at night, which is the traditional time to fish, is at night. Were they successful <laughs> fishermen? That night they caught nothing. It's, you see that in verse 3? All right. But when morning came, so we have night into light, or into, into morning, or darkness into light, who appeared on the shore? Of course, Jesus. Um, why light, or why morning? do you think? What time of day? What's that time of day indicate? John, this is one of the themes in John's gospel. Jesus is the light of the world, right? Um, think about even his resurrection, that Mary Magdalene in John 20, just one chapter back, uh, appears at the tomb early while it was still dark, while it was still dark. Um, and then when the when daybreak comes, Jesus reveals himself, not as the gardener, but, um, well, as the true gardener later on. Did they recognize Jesus? Not at first, right? Um, and then what does Jesus call them? And it made me chuckle. Verse 5. Children. Children, you have any food. Why do you think that's significant? All right, think about, oh, we probably, you can probably think of a hymn 
Um, referring to you as children of the Heavenly Father, right? Yeah. And you see often, um, or we hear often in, in all the Gospels that, well, to be born again is to be born as a child, right? And whoever desires um, to be saved must become like a little child, right? And calling them children, even though they're older, um, they are his children by faith. Having been raised from the dead, um, you become like a little child, like a newborn child, right? Uh, and I think the sense there is maybe a sense also of, of innocence, not because children are born without sin, but because they've been reborn by water in the world. word. Um, think also of maybe John 16, 21, which I've looked up here, uh, where he says, A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that uh, a man has been born into the world. Yeah. So this idea of being reborn, you see that with Nicodemus back in John 3. So here he calls them children, right? What did Jesus tell them to do? Remember, they hadn't caught any fish, so now he tells them to cast their net on the right side of the boat, and they'll find some. Why the right side? Think about that a little bit. Rather than the left. This has me thinking of Matthew 25, according to my notes. Ah, yes. Uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Remember that one? Uh, who Who is on his right? The sheep are on the right hand. Who are on the left? The goats. So believers come from the right, and in that parable, the uh, unbelievers fall on the left. Fall on the left. So um, having these um, disciples, and there'll be apostles, that is sent ones, draw fish out of the sea from the right-hand side. I'm making you fishers of men. Remember that text? Okay. Yeah. Um, that here the the disciples are being shown that they will draw into Christ's church through the net of the gospel believers. So what does the boat then symbolize? If that's true, which I think it is, the church. And the net then being the proclaiming of God's word. Then the fish are, again, to recap, yes, believers um, who are brought into the ark of Christ's church. By the way, uh, many of you probably know this, but I, I'm assuming the children don't. The central part of the church, so not the front where the altar is, and not the, in, the entrance at the back, but that central section where, where today people sit, used to be historically the people gathered, standing, and there were maybe pews on the perimeter. Um, that was called the, it's called the nave, right? And you hear the word navel referring to like a sea seafaring ship or something like that, or naval, or navy academy, right, or the navy, are the people who deal with the, with the boats for our, our military. The nave is that central part of the church, which is, um, well, the central, is the ark, is the boat um, by which we are saved. Notice also that the fish are drawn out of water, right, and so water being a significant theme in John's gospel, uh, and, and significant sign then of baptism, did they recognize Jesus now? Yes, they did. They did. It is the Lord. That's what Peter says. Um, note, though, uh, were they able to catch these fish? <laughs> no, they fished all night and they caught nothing, right? But it's only at the Lord's word that they are able to draw out these, these fish, an incredible catch of them as well. 
right? So it, it's not their work, but it's it's actually the work of the Lord by his word. Yeah. The disciple whom Jesus loved, you see in verse 7, I'll find my cursor here. Yes, he's the one who said to Peter, it is the Lord, right? He's the one who sees him. Why do you think it's the disciple whom Jesus loved? I think of all the purpose statements here in John's gospel. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, right? And that's written by the disciple whom Jesus loved. At least that's the historic position (laughs) of those who understand this gospel. What did Peter do before he jumped into the water? He put on his outer garment. What do you think John might be indicating here um, by this historic note that he put on his outer garment before he plunged into the sea? That's, I, th- I think it is this idea of being clothed with Christ in, in the garments of our baptism, right? The righteousness of Christ, which, um, well, so that death may be swallowed up by life. What other miracles are we perhaps going to think about as we um, hear of bread and fish? Bread and fish. In John's gospel, John chapter 6, remember the feeding of the 5,000 with the, with the bread and the fish there? Um, think also maybe of Luke chapter 5, which is, I believe, the feeding of the 4,000. Am I right? Let's see. Um, no, actually, that's the Luke chapter 5. Yes, there it is. It's the multitude um, standing by the sea, and it's also Simon. This is a unique story. And there we have the great catch of fish with um, the calling of Simon and the sons of Zebedee. And that's actually where he says, from now on you will be catching men, fishers of men. All right, so bread and fish there. So at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus called these disciples to follow him, providing them with a great catch of fish. He fed them uh, and all the 5,000 with uh, fish there on, on the mountain that the Lord provided. And then they, in turn, give them to the people. Uh, which is important to note that these fish are being caught not for their benefit alone, but actually for the benefit of all those who are entrusted to their care. Right? So if you think of the office of the ministry, uh, what are these apostles going to be doing? Yes, they're going to be drawing men into the church, but not um, to pad their wallets or their ego, uh, but for the sake of forgiveness of sins and life in Christ. They're gathered into Christ's church by Christ's word uh, for his benefit, that he, um, well, he would have his friends. How many fish did they catch? (laughs) I love this note. That's in verse 11. You see that there? Full of large fish, 153 well, that's pretty precise, isn't it? Um, there's actually a, quite a few of the ancients who try to figure out the math of why 153. I don't think there's any consensus on that. And why was the net not torn, even though they caught so many and they were so large? Well, if it's the net of the gospel, it cannot be broken, correct? Yeah. Uh, what did Jesus offer them? Breakfast, yeah. And what does that remind us of? When he offers them food, especially bread. Yeah, that's right, the Lord's Supper. Now, a meditation on this text. This is the third appearance of Jesus, uh, and it is an illustration of how the church exists and works. This story might well be a sermon on, quote, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. The disciples had caught nothing in the night, even though that was the preferred time to fish. 
Instead, they caught the fish in broad daylight. This would happen as they proclaimed the gospel about Jesus Christ, the light of the world. As they proclaimed that gospel in the sea of this world, an enormous catch of fish would be brought into the boat of the church. The right side of the boat signifies those who will live by faith in that gospel. The disciples caught nothing on their own. Only at the word of Christ was the net filled so that they would, could not haul it in. It is not the preacher who draws the fish into the boat, but the word of Christ in the gospel that is the power of salvation to everyone who believes. As Jesus fed his disciples at dawn, the time of the resurrection, so the risen Lord feeds his church upon his own flesh and blood that we might remain in the true faith. Of course, right now, we look forward to that day when we can gather together again and receive his body and blood and be fed by him in that way, not simply by his word alone, uh, which is, well, it's the same <laughs> and yet different. All right. Uh, our hymn for this week is uh, Christ is Arisen. Uh, my children and I, we did a little research on this last night, and the practice in Lutheran service book of singing this interposed with... Um, with the Victami Pascali, which is the chant that's on hymn 460, uh, that was already being done in Germany in the 14th century. So a uh, hundred years before Luther, um, Luther put it in the, the first German, well, not the first, but the second or third um, Wittenberg hymnals right away um, and considered it one of the chief hymns of the Easter season. So uh, we will sing it with Luther as we have been. confess our common Christian faith and show love for one another by confessing together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. 
he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We pray the collect for the resurrection. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and to hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, by the glorious resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you brought or you destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. Grant we who have been raised with him may abide in his presence and rejoice in the hope of eternal glory. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Today we pray for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children, live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. We pray for parents who must rear their children alone. We pray for our communities and our neighborhoods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So glad to have you with us today. Uh, It is certainly uh, a joy to hear the message of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and all of his appearances to his disciples. Um, Even a delightful, let's have breakfast, children. (laughs) You know? Just enjoying his resurrection as we should too. And again, um, we do mourn and lament um, our inability to gather together now, but we pray for our Lord's patience, um, that he would grant his patience to us, um, that we would hmm, suffer this now um, and then rejoice when we are able to gather together again uh, as a congregation. Lord be with you all, and we'll see you again tomorrow. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support. 
and give today.